Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of Journey Through Girl Island. I'm your host, Zig, being joined by... Emma. Sarah. Harry. And today we'll be covering Free Admission, Just Kidding, which took place on the 13th of October 2004 from the usual place, the Las Feliz Jewish Community Centre, and had the usual 222 attendees. Have you ever heard of any other show using this title? I feel like this has probably got to be one of the more common... Of the last 20 years, there's probably been loads of shows called Free Admission in other indies. Well, I did some digging into this. Well, not that much digging, but apparently it was taking the piss out of another Californian show that was running oh. for free admission. Oh, interesting. That's such yeah. a PWG But thing. I can't get any like <laughs> solid proof on that. So I don't know. Right. But it does feel a bit a bit mean and, you know, bitchy. Yeah. So I like it. Yeah, the uh, mean, real mean girl energy radiating <laughs> here for it. I think it's one of the more iconic PWG names as well. Like, so I think it is one of the first ones you think of. So maybe that's why it's, it's in your head so much. I wonder. I wonder is that because the show is good or just because it's such a cute name? Maybe both. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is quite a newsworthy show, especially yes. for early yeah. PWG. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just as an aside, though, I did want to make mention uh, when I was in college, I did fall for the free beer thing. I got handed a, mm-hmm. a, a flyer in the middle of student union saying come to one of the pubs on, on campus tonight. Free beer. And I went, oh, free beer. I can go get a free beer at this at this establishment, not realizing that it was, of course, one of many bands called free beer. Um, um, that's good. They got me. I mean, they got me. It's like, it's son of a bitch. It works. I didn't go. I figured it out. I'm not that stupid. I didn't, I didn't literally go up to the bar. I was like, this band's loud, aren't they? Anyway, can I have my drink? <laughs> <laughs> so we kick things off with Disco Machine and Excalibur, SBS, against those pesky Mexicans, Los Rojos Locos. <laughs> Just before we get started as well, the first three matches have... No audio, bar the commentary, because they took place in a vacuum of space. <laughs> so lots of notes on commentary for the first three matches here from me. Yeah, this is not a great way to watch wrestling. No, it was no. so hard. And I mean, you could tell later on when we get into the show that they were really, really apologetic for this happening because this is not how wrestling's meant to be watched. Like, you know what I mean? You can't just sit there. It's hard to know how the crowd are feeling. Uh, the rest, you know, the wrestlers with their ad libs in the ring, especially like Excalibur and Disco Machine, I'm sure were absolutely hilarious. You know, when they commentate over stuff that they're doing in it, and you can hear them making noise and reacting, it was so hard to concentrate on the wrestling. <clears throat> so of course, we yeah. just have to have notes on the commentary. Yeah, definitely. I do like how they were apologetic for the second and third match. <laughs> ah, the first match kind of sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least they could kind of talk you through the first match a bit because they were in it. Yeah. And it's always kind of entertaining to hear them commentate their own matches. But I also find out that there was a whole audio track lost that Disco and Taro recorded commentary for the entire show, but Taro spilled beer on the master <laughs> tape. So that is gone. So this is actually a re record of commentary for poor Disco. How raging would you be? I mean, it's hard enough to try, again, because it's obviously they had 
actual lives and jobs and then like everyone else they're trying to do the wrestling thing on the side but the wrestling thing and then the commentary and then you get the the call or whatever or, or maybe he was in the room when it happened it's like you bastards i have to sit down and watch this shit muted wrestling again yeah and the thing because excalibur was living in philadelphia at this time so he wasn't even like around that's probably why tara was filling in so he wasn't even around so they would have had, they probably had to do this quite late after yeah probably after the show the next show yeah disco machine is sporting a new look mm. he's cut his hair and he now has short hair like tom cruise in minority reports <laughs> <laughs> which does segue into them letting us know that socal val is a scientologist apparently Stop. Yeah. that um, was the biggest thing that i took away from this <laughs> i was like what and then, like, Disco Machine being like, is that a joke? And then Disco being like, I don't think I could make that up. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> what, that's something that just, I just pick out of thin air. Insane. <laughs> also, is this the third tag team SoCal Val has been with in a yeah. very show? <laughs> and I don't think she got involved at all. No. Just kind of hovering around there. Is it literally like, it's just perfect analogy for PWG's like history in this regard. This is a woman shows up so you can pop out there during the first match if yeah. you want. We'll probably <laughs> slut shame you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This first match is not going to be good. So if you could go out and give us something to talk about for five minutes on comment, which they actually, I don't other oh, know, they call her a Scientologist, I guess, but you know. I mean, it would be so easy to have some form of consistency with her. It is, it is the same woman, and she is yeah. there three shows in a row. Just put her with the same team. Yeah. There were some. Uh, Clues dropped during the course of this match as to the identity of the Rojos uh, on commentary again because they weren't really too. This is this was peak kind of not really taking things seriously. There was a little ginger tuft coming out of the back of one of their <laughs> their masks, and the second it came out, the commentator made sure to straight away point it out and make sure it was it was noted by the audience, and and they tried to discern how that could possibly be uh, uh, the case with these with these two luchadors. I think the best thing about this match was when Disco Machine took it upon himself to add sound effects. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was Locating good. Yes. the frying pan. And anytime anyone took a bump, he'd whack the frying pan, which was the only entertaining thing about this match, I think. And it was, with the exception of the first one, it was horribly out of sync every time. But the first one, he got it just about bang on, and it was hilarious. I think it was just like Excalibur taking a move, and he perfectly timed it. And they both found it very amusing, and it was it was great. I did find it extremely hard to actually take in the match itself. Um, there was a sick Tiger Driver '98 with sick sound effects by Disco Machine. I really <laughs> enjoyed that. That that was a highlight for me. Like they said themselves, the match wasn't great. From you know what I did take in. Los Rojos Locos, that's a tongue twister. They remind me of that other tag team that we used to see. They're just not that good. And then we find find out after the match, we have the big reveal. <laughs> yeah, so after the match, Excalibur wins with that sick Tiger Driver 98. And himself and Disco take it upon themselves to unmask the Rojos Locos to reveal that they are, in fact... The Ballard Brothers. What? Those befreckled red hair bitches. <laughs> like Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> <laughs> Which was less mean then. 
yeah. yeah. Lindsay Lohan was in her prime. Mean Girls had come out. Yeah. She was like a queen bee. So for some reason, Superbad and Top Gun Talwar come out. Yeah. Or, uh, who They keep referring to as Super Ballard, even though he is attacking the Ballard brothers. Yeah. But he had uh, his jersey on, so he was super ballard. Right, Because of right. that one kind of throwaway joke they did <laughs> in the last episode, in the last show where they all had the stupid jerseys on. Yeah. So tor- uh, Human Tornado comes out and makes the save and runs them off. Um, also, for some reason, Human yeah. Tornado fighting Superbad, who he teamed with to save... The hated heels who were like breaking a loser must leave PWG stipulation to come back under a racist gimmick. I don't, why? I don't understand what stake Human Tornado would have had in his. No. I guess he's, he's he's a heel now. I think he's just a good guy. Can't can't. Uh, he, well, he, the tradition of the mask being ripped off. He can't stand to see it. You know? Yeah. Um, we haven't seen him in a while, have we? No. No. Yeah. So he comes in for five minutes to make a save. <laughs> To a team no one really cares about. It was... Uh, and yeah. possibly won't be back. Yeah. 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 Maybe they will, I don't know. Maybe this this is the, the get out to let them stay as the Ballards. Maybe. But, um, I hope not. But yeah, I, I don't know. Because it's, like, it's not like they won a title match and then were unmatched. And they were like, oh shit, they have to stay. It's like they lost... They've lost most of the time, I think. We don't get any promos at the end of this, so and maybe they lost them as well. So I'm sure they did try to explain it, mm. but we don't see that. So we are a bit a bit lost. A bit. I did kind of enjoy those uh, super battered taking off the jersey to reveal that airbrushed abs t-shirt underneath. Yeah. As if it's like a big reveal to be like, ha-ha. I strung you all along. I'm actually super <laughs> It was me, Rojos. <laughs> oh, I would have loved that, actually. And Excalibur on comedy, son of a bitch. <laughs> so our next match is a singles match between Puma and Tony Stradlin. Uh, again, another uh, commentary-heavy note section I have here, but my, my absolute favourite was uh, Excalibur auditioning for this podcast. He spent a good five minutes talking about how stupid the booking in the company is. Because he said Puma's like 10 and 1. Yeah. And Paul T can't be bothered giving him a title <laughs> match. Uh, and then to that end, Disco said, I wish we had a camera on us for this. <laughs> <laughs> pretty harsh. I thought the match was okay. You know, but uh, yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Um, and also they love the Bundesliga. <laughs> I have to hear Sarah's takes on this. <laughs> well, I like how we amalgamated two teams to say Bayern Munch and Gladbach. That that caught me big time. And they're like gazelles. <laughs> yeah, big gazelles. Big fruits, but graceful. Oh, I was in tears. I have to. I actually paused it just to you know <laughs> to go take my notes again. Like, when he said. Bundesliga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, real real smorgasbord of, of references on this show so far. We've had Lindsay Lohan, Bundesliga. There was a Crow Cop mention. And there was a Pride reference. I guess this would have been 2000. This would have been peak yeah. Pride at this time. So I can see those two absolutely being just, you know, nerds for that. As for this match, I thought it was 
okay. You know, again, very, very hard to get into with no with no crowd. I feel like Puma's style of match has not had great reactions anyway. And then to try and watch it in silence is, uh, was, was, was pretty tough. That's why they always shove him in the second match. I feel like he's always in the second match. Um, yeah. And it's weird because, you know, if you had a really good opener, it's a nice come down. But then if you have kind of a shit opener, it does, it does nothing for him. I feel like yeah. it's, just, it's like purgatory. But I did enjoy finding out that Paul T owns an island just off the coast of Fiji <laughs> called Paul Tiestan. <laughs> <laughs> it's all because he's uh, taking all the PWG money I think with us seeing how the rest of this show kind of pans out I'm sure we'll get to it later but I think this show it would have made so much more sense to give Puma a title shot yes yeah and have it in this show and then be done with it yeah just to give him what he kind of deserves especially yeah yeah in in, in the sense that Dragon couldn't stay till the end of the show anyway, which we'll yeah. talk about later on, yeah. and uh, you know, give give Frankie another win on 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 the lead up to yeah, it. yeah, yeah, get Frankie to win it by nefarious means, do the mm-hmm. whole stuff, then get Puma as like a real babyface who got you know, uh, that would be a credible win for Frankie as well, which yeah. has been hard to come by, yeah. So yeah, that makes too much sense. That's why. Do not listen to the commentary. Excalibur outlined, you fool. Yeah. Why would he possibly care? I know, but like, here is a guy that's been here every week, and he shows up every week, and he like he does his second match thing. He wins, he goes, and commentary doesn't even commentate his matches. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I, I really don't have anything to say about the match either. Yeah, um, it was hard to watch. I, I tried to concentrate so many times, and I just, I couldn't stop staring at the star on Tony Stratton's butthole, mm-hmm. and then the commentary, and just no. I'm Puma sure it was a fine Puma. match. Yeah, I mean Puma does a really nice German suplex. That's 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 my one in ring note, and. Puma wins again, obviously, like with the quick steal, like he always does. He's kind of getting those quick wins because he's, you know, the smaller underdog. I like the, I like the blue Puma gear. I thought, I thought that. Yeah. Was nice. Pretty much they're Goldberg now. <laughs> yeah. The streak um, continues. Stradlin continues to be like I think he's I, he's pretty pretty solid, but he's he, like he's just a dude. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like he is very much just a guy who shows up in. Plain black trunks with a star on the bum and has a fine match, you know, and yeah. But he's 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 okay. Yeah, he feels like he's their Quant's replacement, but not as good. Not on that level, yeah. So our third match and final match without commentary, thank or without audio, thankfully, is the Havana Pitbulls, Rocky Romero and Ricky Reyes, against Hook Bomberry and the returning Apollo Khan. What a combat. I thought of Apollo Khan was so good in this match. I love him. It was a great match. It was, it was a really match. fun. Yeah. And Hook as well. Like, that's a really solid little team. Yeah. It's um, a shame that they don't stick around. Or if they do, it's, it doesn't seem to be for long. No. It was just a perfect bit of matchmaking. Like, which I can't imagine they put this much thought into it. No. But it, it did work perfectly because it was real, like, MMA shoot-style match, which um, we've seen a bit before with Hook, but... This, this took to another level. I thought it was brilliant. 
I, I, I am wondering, actually, because again, we, like I said, we had, we had pride references and all sorts of stuff. It's not something you associate with PWG, but as we get deeper into 04, 05, 06, are we going to see some of that, oh, oh I, I love MMA, me, that, that indie wrestling of the mid-2000s where it's like, you know, I could be in UFC. Uh, UFC is kind of like the new wrestling. I don't know if you've heard this, um, which was the, the hot internet talking point of 2005. Um, but yeah, it was great. Like uh, Rocky in particular, Rocky was big time. He started off, he was doing his little, his, his stance, his martial stance. He was doing, he was throwing some great slaps early on. He was just really getting in there. Hook chopped in between the shoulder blades early on in the match, which was so good. Yeah, just completely different to kind of any of the other like good, but different style of tag matches that we've seen so far. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, is it because of the, the relationship, I suppose, with the, the New Japan LA Dojo and was in New Japan at the time, heavily MMA influenced and all the talent that they brought in. Maybe they've just been watching so much tape and they're like, let's just do this. But yeah, I like Rocky Romero from the <laughs> get go, that intensity. And it, I think as well, because he's bald. <laughs> intensity little ball rocky romero and like the chemistry between the pitbulls was off the charts as well just the way they worked as a team they're like no other i think in in pwg but i really popped there's one particular spot where um rocky starts surfing on the back of hook and then you can tell that disco's such a nerd and he's like oh genki haraguchi i'm like damn (laughs) they're such nerds and i love it so much yeah like you knew they're into their osaka pro and stuff but i did not expect a genki haraguchi reference like that that must be what torimon at that stage yeah it had to have been like that's that's a deep cut like for that time it's um, unreal I also think you're right about the, the MMA influence in New Japan probably being a thing because this is around the time that Fujita and Bob Sapp were champions and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd say that's definitely a good shout. It was also a New Japan against Pro Wrestling Iron match, yes. which were apparently the two big schools in LA. So it was Hook and uh, Khan from Pro Wrestling Iron and obviously the Pitbulls from the LA Dojo. I do I do like that that's one, one serious thing that, that the commentary does they give everyone's background They're like this guy's from this school this guy's from that school this guy's been in that promotion so and so and so you know that's a little thing i always appreciate in, in wrestling is not treating your company like the bubble and this is this is the wrestling nothing else yeah. happens outside of here um, especially for an indie especially for an indie yeah it's, there's no there's no benefit to being insular you know so yeah and it, it really helped the the story a lot apollo Khan had a hot tag towards the end of this match he threw the Biggest motherfucking shoulder charge you've ever seen in your life. He was doing the most amazing air drags. I was like, this is this guy rocks. He's like, you know, we, we, we sang his praises a little bit before. But this match is like, uh, like the second half of this match was like his match. You know, because Hook was way more into the, the, the grappling and, and, and the striking with Rocky and, 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 and Reyes. But then when it came time for the kind of explosive stuff in the second half, it was all Apollo. It was, it was great. <laughs> They were a perfect like little man, big man tag team as well. Like, yeah, it worked so well. If they'd come along five years later and evolve, and that was around, you know, they could have been pretty big deal on the mm-hmm. indie scene. Like, yeah, lots of what ifs. I agree with what everyone said. Thank you. <laughs> it, it was just really, really good, and I actually think you know, even Hook. I like to call like the road dog of the team, you know, taking all of the punishment for nearly the whole match. It actually made him look strong that he was able to kind of keep 
in there and you know survive like he kicked out of the of the cuban missile crisis at the end and i think that made him look really strong um he hasn't had the greatest win loss record in pwg but he still you know anytime he's in a match you're like oh he could be good here and he actually could get the upper hand for the lack of booking in this company they've somehow have kept hookberry through losses still looking quite strong yeah like he has come back from like very recently from a broken leg as well so like he hasn't he hasn't lost a step at all he's very good so the pitbulls do take the win with a second cuban missile crisis um, our fourth match a very prestigious match and to uh signify that the audio is back <laughs> <laughs> it is a pwg championship match frankie kazarian defending against super dragon so as barry alluded to earlier the reason this match is on so early in the card is because Super Dragon and Excalibur need to get on a plane to go to CZW. Uh, so they had to leave the show. Excalibur said they were on the plane within an hour of this match finishing. Which, I don't know why you wouldn't have put them second then. Maybe they just wanted to make it see, not really take the piss with it. Yeah, I guess. Very weird. I could not deal with leaving somewhere and having to be on a plane within the hour. I feel like I would explode with stress. How would you even concentrate on the match? Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Thank God the audio came back, though. Um, yeah. It was, cause, especially because, like, they were they, they were all over Kaz straight away when the video uh, started for the match. And so you're just like, oh, yes, this is, this is what you want. Even out of, you know, just 200 fans, this is, you have to have this. Kind of goes back to Emma's point, though, earlier. If with them, you know, having to leave, did they really have to have such an important yeah. match? But they've not awaited another month for this. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't happy with it. <laughs> yeah. So just, just to say, like, yeah, Dragon does end up winning the championship in the end. It sort of did cause dirty. Yeah. To have his loss to be here in the middle of a card. Whatever we thought of the title, Ryan, I don't know. He has been there every month, like we say. Yeah. He has done his job. It's not his fault. He's always been put in there with duds. Um, so I thought it was, it, was, it was a bit shit that the loss wasn't a bit more prestigious for him. I, I feel like he has been the backbone, for better or worse, for the, past, the first two years. So he, he did deserve a bit better than that. Yeah, and the match was good as well, which it, it, it felt like such a... It felt like the video was out of order. Do you know what I mean? It felt like mm-hmm. such a... The, the post-match stuff as well, it felt like this is this is the closer. This is what the show should have ended with. I thought it possibly... I may be in the minority here. I thought it was Super Dragon's worst match we've seen so far. Yeah, well, I wasn't super into it. Yeah. Um, I think... And I also think, like, he... Super Dragon deserved to be champion. Um, from the start, really. Yeah. Be- but like, he didn't need it, but he yeah. probably deserved it the most. And to have his win just be in the middle of a show and then he has to leave. I mean, I know he's not one that wants like a parade and he wants that and he'll, he will always have the support no matter like where he is in the card or who he's against. But it just felt like such a, it just felt a little shit and damp. Yeah. Well, it was definitely a Kaz match more than a yeah. Dragon match. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it lacked, I think, like, the match was fine, but it just lacked that intensity 
oh my god I can't talk intensity that we usually expect from Super Dragon matches and maybe that does lend to the fact Super Dragon literally has to go get on a plane now Yeah, doesn't really want to be you know putting us all into it and then having to get on the plane but I think as well not I feel like I'm being really negative but for the fans as well it's very hard to have Super Dragon as their favourite he's their guy and have him win the title and then you know, we've all been at shows where something big happens and the come down is very hard. You know, you're tired because yeah. you just give your all to this guy who you want to see win the title and then you're celebrating and then to maybe go into an intermission and then or another match. It's just so hard to, I suppose, get right back into it because you're still reeling from that big win. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the two lads... Yeah, I think, I think with Dragon, a lot of... The quality of the matches depends on how the opponent reacts to him. And I think Kaz is just such a seasoned guy now who does his own stuff. And he's a TV wrestler that he, not that he was on autopilot, but he just didn't give it back like most opponents in great Super Dragon matches do. Um, he just wrestled. Yeah. Yeah, like early on, they had like a really great, really intense lockup, and they were kind of doing, they, they were kind of going hold for hold, and then they had this like, there was like one kind of nice spot that I was like, this is this is going to be a really great match where like Kaz gets frustrated with the grappling and he throws a punch, and then Super Dragon starts demolishing him like, oh, if you're gonna if we're gonna have a fight, we're gonna have a fight. And it's like, oh, is Kaz gonna you know is Kaz gonna get in there and fucking punch Super Dragon in the face and say, okay, let's have a Super Dragon match? But that was like a fleeting glimpse, and then the rest of it was just kind of. It was just kind of a not half speed is the wrong term, but like a, a kind of half uh, measure of a Super Dragon match, um, which again is kind of probably sounds harsher than me. I thought it was a, a, a pretty decent match, but I probably agree with them. I, I think it was probably the worst, not bad, but probably the worst Dragon match I, th- I think so far. Helped a little bit by the heat. It felt like because Dragon was so beloved, people bought into Kaz a little bit more, and they were really yeah. getting on him. That always helps. But then, but then he. He lost them a little bit when he did the worst imitation breath uh, turnbuckle <laughs> spot I've ever seen in my life. Oh, God. I, and that's a, a spot when people mess it up, it it goes spectacularly wrong. You can't get it kind of wrong. Dragon's just kind of sitting there with his gooch up against the turnbuckle post <laughs> and Kaz is on the floor flailing around trying to make it look like he's doing a submission. I was like, oh, my God, get up. Stop and get up. <laughs> there was one good bit I did enjoy where... Um... Super Dragon has beaten the shit out of Kaz, and Kaz turns around and says to him, I ain't no taro. <laughs> <laughs> um, an allusion, of course, to the fact that Super Dragon retired taro. Mm. It was, I thought that was a nice little nod and probably the most inventive thing Kaz has ever said <laughs> without using a slur. <laughs> Excalibur said that Super Dragon must have the most famous surgery in all of indie wrestling because every single person knows he has a bum knee, which I thought was pretty good because <laughs> if you think about it, it is yeah. true. We know about it as well through Emma that he he did his knee and all his opponents always targeted as well. So Super Dragon hits the Psycho Driver, which Kaz kicks out of. They fight a, fight for a little bit more and... They end up on the turnbuckle. Kaz hits the flux capacitor, which Dragon kicks out of. Then Kazarian goes for an O'Connor roll, but Dragon rolls him over 
to pin him. Very unexpected finish. I I don't think, based on everything we've watched so far, I don't think Kaz is a kick out of the guy's finish and then lose to a roll-up character. I think Dragon should have just fucking beat him. <laughs> he like if I remember beat right, him. Is, is your least favorite type of finish. Yeah, like, like oh, especially, again, it's just because I hate it in general, but just for those two guys, Super Dragon and the coolest in the world, Frankie Kazarian, <laughs> Dragon should have dropped him on his head and that should have been the end. Uh, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's some kind of... I mean, he lost either way. I don't know if it's some kind of, hey, he's with TNA. He can't be beaten straight up in the middle. There has to be some kind of banana peel. But I, I don't think so because this is like a hallmark for PWG's entire existence is the the roll-up and the blocked O'Connor roll and the sunset flip and just all this stuff, you know. Uh, they did actually, uh, for the post-match as well, we did get a nice clean shot. Frankie had like a really terrible like word art sticker of the globe with coolest written on it or whatever the fuck it said. I'm the coolest or some shit like that. <laughs> oh my God. It looked like, again, it looked like he went to, he went to the first like uh, printing store. He saw, said, do you sell stickers? Can you do this for me in two seconds? And just stuck it on his arse. Uh, it was really terrible. <laughs> so how do we feel despite the circumstances that uh, super dragon is now our champion? I feel good, obviously, but it didn't make me excited for the, kind of possibilities even though like you're thinking about now yay okay the possibilities are good now but when it happened i was just so like oh what a waste yeah i like we yeah like you said we're gonna get some great matches from super dragon now he's gonna be top of the card where he belongs you know he's the face of the company the rightful face frankie can kind of go back to whatever he wants to do you know what is stupid feuds and you know where where was where like the first family where is like what where are they where is him cup (laughs) you know what i mean where was he where was he with all of his run-ins last time he couldn't stop running in and now he's oh i don't know i like i am excited but there's so many loose ends now that i'm like i wish we're wrapped up because i'm sick of it all i could think is yeah we're probably getting Another baby slim Kazarian feud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause there was a little bit of dissension there. Obviously they they kicked out Lost and Bosch. And now that he's lost the belts, I wouldn't be surprised if there's where were you to have my back and blah blah blah. Family means family. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in Vegas. Oh yeah. <laughs> The little Frankie Kazarian in Vegas. <laughs> Chicken head Trish pops back up. <sighs> I wonder where she is now. Me too. So after the match, there was a bit of a... a hullo- what, what's, what do they call it? Hullabaloo? <laughs> yeah. But in, oh, do you remember when the Smackdown script got leaked that time? Bruhaha. Bruhaha or Ballyhoo or something like Ballyhoo, that. Ballyhoo, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's yeah. not a word, is it? It is. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, the the um like they have it when when a they've had it since like the Attitude Era. The script starts with Pyro and Ballyhoo cut to announcers. That's what they put for the last fucking nine hundred years. Um, so, so yeah, so there's a bit of Ballyhoo, but no fireworks. No, where Super Dragon <laughs> lifting the belt, which. They did the usual. Kaz was going to leave with us, and he begrudgingly gave it to him. 
they love that. Yeah, yeah. they love it. Also, like, just as a, a complete aside behind the curtain, as I write for this show, I'm making little screen caps and gives us get a nice little picture of Dragon holding the belt. This, these, these are the worst shot indie shows of all time. Yeah. Super Dragon's like a little blurry man in the distance holding a black square <laughs> above his head from behind. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Fucking run to the other side of the ring and get a shot of the guy with his world title, please. Like what? I got, I've got like Frankie Kazarian's arse taking up the whole frame, <laughs> and Dragon's just a blurry thing in the distance. It's so annoying. So the next match is Christopher Daniels against the de- debuting Jack Evans. Hell yeah! <laughs> One of the things I was thinking about this is like, how great is it that AEW is around now? It sort of adds a little bit to these matches. Yes. Yeah. You're watching and going, geez, these guys, guys are still going. You'd see this on Dark next week. like Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And kind of uh, funny to see, like, because Jack Evans, is, he still does a lot of the same stuff, but he's also kind of like a weirder kind of elder statesman kind of solid hand now. Whereas, you know, back then he's, he's, he's good, but he's kind of, you know, he's the flippy guy. That's Jack yeah. Evans in 2004. He's the guy who comes out in his trackies. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no shorts today. Full on trackies. Um, and just does loads of spectacular and stuff. And his do-rag. And his do-rag. And his jocks, which we saw after about five seconds. A lot of jocks, yeah. Uh, a lot of jocks. Real um, comfortable. I just I, I find that so relatable as a wrestler. He wrestles in trackies. His, fucking, his, his underwear is visible after about two minutes. I'm like, yeah, we've all had days like that. Days like that. Yeah. yeah, we've all gotten in fights and had our pants pulled out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Especially in your G unit phase, surely you have yeah. the Oh, I wish, I wish I knew about Jack Evans in, in, in this exact period. I probably would have been sending him fan mail. As like, can I just say, it's it, representation does matter. I like seeing myself on the screen. You know, <laughs> they had the usual Jack Evans uh, opening to a match where they had the little dance off thing um, <laughs> with the the customary "You got served" chance. Yes. Which I think now you'd cringe to death if that happened at a show. But yes. in 2004, it was funny as fuck. Mm. Ah, if it happened now on a show and it was Jack Evans, I'd still be like... <laughs> <laughs> there was a real difference in the crowd. I know he said that maybe like the energy would go down, but I did feel like they were way more into the next few matches than they had been. Maybe because we couldn't hear them in the first Mm. couple but they really were just on like sitting down looking bored yeah so i did feel it was good to kind of get there was a lot more energy in them now i thought um daniels was fantastic in this match like just classic christopher daniels where he was such a professional like he led the match completely but gave jack evans everything as well it was it was one of the best old hands yeah. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way, like usual. Like it was just, he took him, he said, grab a hold, kid. And they just had a really good, solid match. Yeah, every every spectacular, like every, there was no, with the exception probably of the finish, there was no Christopher Daniels highlight reel stuff on this. It was all Jack Evans. And he kind of like, you know, he's not quite on the level of like a, a Cesaro, but Daniels is great at like catching and twirling these people around and five backbreaker spot. Oh my God, I love that spot. It's so, so great. Uh, yeah, Daniels was, was tremendous here. Yeah, like to be honest, like I was kind of not nervous for this match, but like 
to, to be honest, like back in the day, I wasn't the biggest fan of Jack Evans, like very early Jack Evans. I didn't really get into it all because I just, he was a lot of flips, no substance. And I just really didn't like that. But I think Daniels did a great job of kind of giving something to those flips and like maybe giving them purpose in a way. Such a great job. And it, and it did make you want to see Jack Evans again. I mean, I'm sure that's why the crowd were into it as well, because this guy is coming in here doing loads of wacky stuff. You know, even in SoCal, where they do do a lot of flips and everything, he's still bringing something different. Um. Yeah, no, it was it was really enjoyable and it was nice after the um the Kazarian dragon match. It was a nice kind of change of pace, I think. I think in this match as well, Jack Evans invented the Destino. <laughs> <laughs> when he did the flying head scissors reverse DDT, but like ended it in the Destino fashion. So yeah. I'm now gonna say Naito stole it from him. That's good. That'll that'll rile people up. That's good. Yeah. That's part um, you've got, got a clip now, Barry. Get the yes. get the stands running wild. Absolutely. Oh yeah, the engagement will be through the roof for that one. <laughs> he did all kinds of. He did a crazy corkscrew thing. They couldn't even call, give a name on commentary out of the ring, and just he did all this. You know, he he delivered a really solid introductory. Here's here is what Jack Evans is. Evans goes for Excalibur called it a six thirty, but it definitely wasn't a six thirty. It was like a Phoenix Splash four fifty. Yeah, because he did like a, a rotation. But or he did like a twisty thing beforehand into a four fifty. Um, but he did land or, on his back though. He did land on his he didn't land face down, so isn't that a six thirty? Well six thirty is like just rolls. Yeah. Whereas he did the Phoenix splash into the rolls. Like yeah. He definitely didn't do six thirty, however many rolls mm. that is, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But it was like a Phoenix splash four fifty. Yeah. Um the thud when he hit the mass off of that. Oh my god. Sound effect. I'm glad we had the sound back for this one. Yeah. It was nasty. I don't know. I could have done it with a frying pan ding. <laughs> <laughs> so with him down, Daniels runs up to the top rope himself, hits the best moonsault ever for the pin. I did sort of like that Daniels only had to fly once to win the match yeah. as well. Absolutely. That was a nice little touch. Yeah, great stuff. And that's the type of thing you know he does on purpose as well. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's equally he's, good one with the angel's wings. Yeah. yeah. He's such a nerd for stuff like that. Yeah. It was a good debut for Evans. It did feel like, you know, a lot of his moves weren't landing kind of any... What's that thing in, like, video games when you got to get uh, damage? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it didn't feel like he was getting the damage. But he was just yeah. doing them, and it just felt like he was like kind of like Scrappy Doo, and just, <laughs> yes. yeah, he was just kind of doing all this stuff. And Daniels was just like rolling his eyes, like okay, like um. So it was fun. It was really. I thought they had really good chemistry. Yeah, here's here's five backbreakers for your troubles. <laughs> so our next match is a very important match in PWG's history, and one that I was. Pretty much looking forward to since we started. Paul T is in the ring and Aerial Express were meant to be in a match. But they are MIA, which seems to be legit because they say it again on commentary. I don't know. They just didn't show up or something. Not too sure. Yeah. But they were meant to be in a tag match against the debuting Kevin Steen and El Generico. But as they're not available, Paul T decides... 
that Generico and Steen will face off one-on-one. And I cannot think of a better happy accident than this. There was a great moment where when Paul T was just kind of in the ring talking to them and he goes, you guys are best friends. And Kevin Steen is walking past the mic and just goes, no, we're not. (laughs) And it was just like, this is it. This is how they still are. This is what it's still, this is just like the birth of it in kind of, I suppose in America, they'd be doing this in Canada. And now this was kind of, they were starting this whole thing in PWG. It really is better than you could ever like write. Like they're, this is their entire careers because in Canada as well as they were tag teaming and then they were facing each other and they're tag teaming. They come to PWG, Ring of Honor, everywhere else. They're receiving, oh, now you're feuding. Oh, we'll briefly get them back together. And then they turn out like that is the story of their career. And it's so perfect that it, it legitimately happens for their first show that it, in one of the most important companies either of them will work in that they expect a team and then they have to face each other. And like the match was like, simultaneously you look back on it now with 2021 eyes it's like oh they're doing the greatest hits but in 2004 you know, this is the craziest fucking introduction of two wrestlers to a new promotion you'd ever you could ever see the stuff they were breaking out and i just love that it starts the very first thing either of them do in pwg is steam jumps in from behind before the match even starts i was like oh perfect how much what more could you ask for one of my favorite things in the match as well is Excalibur falling in love with Kevin Steen as the match goes on. Like you can hear it in his voice with how much he lays into Generico. And he's just like, oh, oh God. Oh, oh <laughs> he's smitten with him from the very, very start. And he's going straight in with play-by-play, like the most play-by-play we've had in a while <laughs> for like not a dragon match where he's literally <laughs> calling the ent- every single move. And he has the name for every single move. It's just great. That's the greatest thing about Escalibur, you know, for all of his big flaws at this point in time on commentary, his love for wrestling really shines through when he's really captivated by a wrestler like he was with Kevin Steen. And it was hard not to be like Kevin Steen. I Like it's insane from very early on how he had like perfected his character, you know, Mr. Wrestling Kevin yeah. Steen, this loud mouth, obnoxious wrestler but backed it up in the ring with everything. You know, just just Kevin Steen, and again, thank God the sound was back, because Kevin Steen ad-libs <laughs> in the ring need to be heard to fall in love with his character. Like, this match just fucking ruled. And you just sit there captivated by them for 13 minutes. Like, I felt like I was watching them again for the first time. You know, it's, it's Baby Steen and Generico. And it was just such a good match. And like you said, Zig, at the start, like a happy accident that Aerial Express couldn't be there because this was just the perfect start for both of them. I mean, two of the most important people in PWG history. And this is the start that they get. It's it's poetic. I think Mr. Wrestling is also my favorite Steen look. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The ad-libs were great as well. And like... I just love that story Steve has told a million times about how he met Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin in an airport, and he asked him for a tip. When he was like, when he was like 14, 15, he was like, I want to be a wrestler. And Austin was like, just never stop talking trash. And that is now the defining characteristic of Kevin Steen 20 years later. Like, that's such a thing. Even in WWE, where that's that's just not, so not the way yeah. it's done. Um, I've never heard that story before. That's cool. If you, if you haven't, it just, it's from ages ago it's from back before he even signed when austin was fairly new on the podcasts he was on the steve austin podcast it's fantastic it's so so good because he's obviously a big fan and 
Austin is kind of one of those people who kind of has uh, he's he's a little bit more open minded as far as an old wrestler goes, and he's talking he's talking to Steve about how now, I haven't seen very many of your matches, but I went on YouTube and I found this video. The top 95 moves of Kevin Steen. Boy, I can't even name 95 moves. I was watching this YouTube and you were doing all kinds of stuff and he's marking over all these moves. And Steen's like, yeah, you know, got to do all kinds of crazy stuff. It's just, it's really, it's really, really great. But it's, it's, yeah, so he's talking trash in this match the whole time. And it's, it's weird to go back and think like, obviously they would do so much other stuff. They'd get so much better. But in like 2004, when they're still so fresh and new, they're so good. They're so, so good. And the pace they work it at. Yeah. They're, it's a fight. It's a real fight. They're going at each other like cats and dogs the whole way through the match. I did think my one criticism of the match, that I did think sometimes it seemed a bit choreographed mm. in that you could tell they'd done it a million times. It was like nearly Lucha-esque, where it was like, you do this, then I do this, then you do this. Mm-hmm. But that's only... Possibly because I know them so well now. Mm. I think if I saw that in 2004, there's no way I'd have, I'd have copped on to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also think they were trying to fit in a longer match into a shorter time. Definitely. It did kind of feel like they ran through things a bit. And it kind of made, well, I suppose was like El Jericho was so young, but he did seem a bit rough around the edges. But that kind of added to his, he was a bit sort of like, you know, jittery and jumpy and things, which. He became so much smoother as the years went on. Definitely. But like, as well, same as Steen, the personality. Yeah. was still there. Like, or was there, sorry, at the start. Jesus Christ. Like, it it just made me think of him in WWE now. It's like, how do you mess up this guy? Yeah. Just the baby face fire and selling that he has. It's just incredible. Like, the crowd are with him from minute one. As soon as he starts reaching the hands out, yeah, they're there. I think in a, I think when Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen retires, I think we're gonna look back very fondly, and I think he's gonna grow more. In like, what am I trying to say? I think he'll be a bigger deal because everyone will look back and be like, "God, this guy just really had it." He's gonna be yeah. one of those people, I think, for the longest time. I know, like the likes of us and, and you know, a lot of people that we would talk to obviously do hold him in that really high regard. But I think the wider audience is really going to look back fondly on his career. I mean, charisma alone, and it's not forced. None of it is forced. It feels like it's so natural. And then you see him, like, away from the ring. It doesn't feel like that like that at all. Like, he's going to Disney yeah. with his family and he just has, like, six cats and all these pets. And, you know, the weekend escapade videos. I mean... All round, just, yeah, I think, yeah, we're going to look back really fondly in his career. Yeah. For the two of these guys to come in from Canada, and, like, this is a crowd that hasn't really been accepting of kind of of other people coming in if they weren't known on the scene. Like, if you look at UK Kid and all of these, like, they really <laughs> had to work hard to even get, like, the, the crowd to just go, oh, yeah, okay. These lads, they, like, the crowd was on their feet three minutes in. Like, they had been not doing much for the last hour, but, like, they were up, they were into it. Even the kind of the Paulty introduction, setting up the match together, they were they were into it. Kevin was talking to the crowd. El Generico was doing his, I don't understand what you're saying thing. And like, <laughs> they set up their characters immediately, and the crowd loved it. You don't see that happening here. 
Do you think they unmasked the Rojos because El Generico was coming in? <laughs> maybe. Oh, maybe, maybe. They're There's essentially like... the same gimmick. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And they're like, wait a minute, this, this guy has a little ginger as well. What's going on there? You know, he's <laughs> doing double duty. Yeah, you, can, you can tell Excalibur respected him because he didn't say shit about his ginger. No. Yeah. <laughs> what an important match in history, I guess. Like... For them as wrestlers, them as characters, for that crowd, and like you said, the Excalibur stuff—it's all there on tape. You know, it's it's crazy. It's really it's really cool to see, to look back and see those those sweet indie wrestling moments where someone just arrives without with and with a splash, and 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 uh, you know you know even then they probably knew they were seeing something special. Um, yeah. But like even like towards the end, Kevin Steen was dominating for most of the match. But then El Generico makes that fiery comeback. He hits that famous brain buster for the finish to beat Kevin Steen. And Excalibur is freaking out on commentary. I've never heard his voice go that high pitched. Like we haven't had much of that because that was honest, genuine reaction from Excalibur, I think. Yeah, I think it was because that would probably be his first time seeing it because he wasn't in the building. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been a genuine reaction. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know how much you... Because obviously I know around this time they also got started in CCW and stuff Mm. like that. Although I think that was via PWG, I think. No, so they'd already... But by this stage they'd already had, I think, two CCW. Right. But it was all around the same month. They had that four-way with uh, Sexy Eddie and... Oh, what's his name? 69. Uh, Oh. God, yeah, I know the exact uh, match yeah. you're talking about as well. Hadn't had the Super Dragon 4-way yet, no. No, okay. Because I did think they said on commentary that they are doing an American tour. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Watching this does kind of make me want to go even further. I've never seen any of their matches from Canada, uh, you know, from like IWS. Yeah. I don't know if that's... I assume it has to be up there somewhere. It has to be around somewhere. Probably on IWTV. Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, or probably maybe even YouTube. Because it's just like, God, how... How quick did they get it? Because they obviously, at this stage, they were they were off to the races already. Steen hits Generico with the package pile driver, lifts him up during the pin to go for another one, but is hoisted by his own petard. Uh, Generico fights back and hits the brain buster for the win. Lovely. So lastly, it's our main event with American Dragon, Brian Danielson, taking on one half of the tag team champions, Scott Lost, as Chris Bosch injured himself in the match against Ariel Express on the last show. I don't think I've ever seen Black Gear Danielson before. Have you not? I guess it's not that common, but I, I like, he was quite a look. He was all black, shaved head, little little uh, five o'clock shadow going, like, uh, and he kind of thinks it's probably just a coincidence, but he kind of worked it way more, like, prickish than we've seen. We've seen a lot of happy-go-lucky Danielson in, in PWG. But yeah, it was it was an interesting look. I think he pulled it off. Looked like a badass. Yeah. yeah. I think this is the start of him growing that really long beard oh, that yeah. he had with oh, the yes. wizard's cape. Yes. Oh, okay, you should laugh. Oh, oh Sarah, come on now. No, it was, oh, it was grim. We're going we're, we're gonna to have to pivot this podcast for a few months and just watch those matches and also watch CZW shows with Kevin Steen and LG yes. on them. <laughs> No, I think we it's one of the best. We don't have enough sexy Eddie on this show. Oh, we do. Yeah. Oh, he'll be on it soon. 
No, I think it was one of the best Danielson eras in terms of matches, but I hated the look. I just hated that beard and the bald head. Anyway, sorry. Was it because he was the technical wizard? Is that did he steal that? <laughs> I think so. I mean, that's what makes. I, there's always that. I always remember this picture. I think it might have been like on his Wikipedia where he's like doing like a kung fu kick with the cape on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's doing like a, a crane kick because he has yeah. the arms. Yeah. Oh my god, the dynamic in this one was 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 interesting with with Lost though because it was like Lost is kind of a but well, not kind of he is a heel. But Danielson was also kind of working it like uh, I'm I'm taking you to school uh, uh, kind of match, and Danielson's strikes in this match were so good. Oh my god, I didn't think I didn't think uh, the the Pitbulls tag match would be outdone, but oh my god, they were they were laying into each other, and the crowd were loving it as well because it was like Lost is just this. He is really coming into his own as that kind of smarmy, just annoying, like, cocksure heel, and Danielson's just twisting him up and slapping him around and elbowing him, you know? I thought commentary did a great job enhancing the kicks by saying that Dragon was just adding them to his arsenal mm. um, and, like, how how dangerous he was before this, and now he's, he's bringing striking into it as well. Like, he's a real um, terror now to face, and I thought they, they got that over really well, like, what an all-rounder he now is. Are we are we segueing into an era of PWG commentary like being good and enhancing the matches and putting everything over? I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> only for certain guys. Yeah, only for certain people, yeah. And I wonder if this is just to make up for the fact that people were buying this DVD and they for the first three matches there was no sound and they had mm. no choice to turn the commentary off because a lot of people would have watched it without commentary. Yeah. And they were kind of forced, so maybe they were like, okay. We actually have to be good now. <laughs> yeah, let's do our job. Because I'd say Dragon was pissed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I really did like how commentary played up the fact as well that like Brian Danielson actually kind of like is a heel, but because everyone hates Scott Law so much, like stuff that Dragon typically would be getting booed for like all the dickish um like dickish strikes and stuff that he would do and kind of heel tactics were actually getting cheered because it was against Scott Lost. But anyone else, he probably would have gotten booed. Yeah, I think he sort of played the, the tweener role, I guess, if that if that exists. I guess that and that would kind of be kind uh, a, a big kind of thing for him in the next few years in Ring of Honor as well. Like he was. He didn't really go hard one way or the other. He was kind of just, he was, and so many people try it, but he was the best indie wrestler when it came to, I I am Brian Danielson, and this is the character, and this is what it is. And generally people loved it, but if you hated it, that's fine as well. He did still get a few goofy bits in, though, like shoving Scott Lost in a bin. Oh, my God, that was so funny. And as much as, as, much as Excalibur loved the finish of the Generico match, I don't think he loved it as much as Scott Lost falling into a bin. <laughs> oh, it was great. And also, it was part goofy, but also part really impressive. The extended airplane spin outside the ring was amazing. Yeah, so he went all the way around the ring spinning. For uh, the, the purpose of those two and the bin swapping, those are two uh, count out teases. Uh, New Japan legend Brian Danielson, he knows what to do. <laughs> yeah, actual good ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard he taught Yano everything he knows. <laughs> oh, imagine them being a duo. I think this is oh, really he, can, he can win the King of Pro Wrestling title now. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's 
that's why he wants to leave because he's like, oh my god, here's this is my chance. And this was like, I think this was like really good showcases Scott Lost as well. You know, in his in this character especially where where he's blossoming and a really good opportunity for him to to hang with Danielson again as well. I mean. You know, he was doing nearly like Bret Hart stick, you know, and trying to be like the excellence of execution before and his shirt and all that sort of stuff. So to be in there with, with Danielson, I think, is a, is a pretty big deal and kind of shows as well now how the company are, are, are growing in faith with, with Scott Lost as well, um, that he really is kind of blossom, blossoming into his own. Like, I don't think this was necessarily like main event caliber match because there's no real, I suppose, heat there or hatred between them it was very much so like an indie-rific pwg dream match i suppose but i really really enjoyed it yeah i I thought scott held his own but i did think he was a little bit behind danielson (laughs) but he is probably a couple years short of him career-wise anyway but i thought this was like this was danielson entering his wrestling peak i would say in terms of bell to bell, whereas yeah, I think Scott Lost is still learning on the job a bit. Yeah, a couple of other um, things I really liked was the the flying European uppercut where he just clattered Scott on the on the chest. It was so so cool. Danielson takes this one with the Carmella head scissors. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to give her her respect. Yeah, I, I had it written down to correct you because I thought you wouldn't. <laughs> Code of she silence. Gets... Code of silence respect respect um so there was nothing after the match we barely got the finish it just literally cuts out <laughs> yeah um i'm not sure if that's to do with everything else that was going on with that the tape yeah taro spilled his beer over the promos or something what did you think of the show overall i thought it was a, definitely a show of two halves second half much better than the first i don't know if that was down to the audio but i don't know that we missed out on that much they didn't seem like that you know matches that were that exciting anyway um i liked it it's very it's certainly a very important show for what happens it's i definitely think if i was kind of a fan at the time and i bought the dvd i'd be pretty pissed off but yeah good show what about you sir yeah no i really enjoyed it you know with the Apollo Khan, Hook Bomberry, newly discovered tag team that were amazing against Pitbulls. Um, like I really enjoyed that. I really obviously loved Generico Steen, liked Scott Loss getting a chance against Dragon. Like you said, a lot happened on the show. Like we had a title change, we had the unmasking of Ross Lowe's rope. I can't even say their names. <laughs> um a lot happened and it was I think the runtime was good. I think the pacing was a lot better than previous shows as well um, in terms of match lengths and stuff. Maybe Steen and Generico should have gotten a bit longer, but that's not really like a massive critique. Um, but no, I really, really enjoyed this show. Just a really, really fun one. Yeah, I really liked it. One of the better ones we've seen so far, I think. I am tempted to, to, to say the Generico-Steen match is the best match so far in the history of the company. Um, wow. I would go that spicy on it. Maybe, maybe, maybe is there a little bit of um, it's just kind of a special match to me because like two of my faves having this incredible breakout performance. But I also just thought it was just genuinely yeah. a tremendous, tremendous match. Uh, so you had that and then like three other really, really, really solid matches with uh, 
Daniels, the Pitbulls, and and Danielson. And then an okay Puma match and then a not great opener, you know, but it's fine. Like the last couple of shows, the stuff that wasn't good didn't stink, didn't pull the show down. And it was not the audio issues pulled the show down more than the wrestling quality, which yeah. is a, which is a, a kind of a, a refreshing. So yeah, uh, top top end of the spectrum, I would say, for shows we've seen so far. I really loved it. And again, yeah, I would echo the pacing uh, compliment as well. It was pretty breezy. Yeah, I feel like the, the shows are getting less daunting. Yes. Like sometimes before we record and you have to watch it, there is that, oh, what, what am I in for this month? What's mm-hmm. this going to be? But I think now it is a lot easier to sit there and just watch it. You, you, you load up the high spot screen and it's like three hours. Oh, my God. Oh, don't let me look down at the match card. Baby slip. Oh, God. Oh, my <laughs> Oh my God! No, oh no, not Adam Pierce. Oh come on now, you know. Whereas now it's kind of like breezier shows and better names on them. Yeah, exactly. Until they bring back Jardy France. Oh God! Let's see what Danielson can get out of him. <laughs> so that wraps up this show for this month. The next show we'll be covering is Uncanny Xmas. Ooh. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, will, we, will, we, will we wait four months to record it so it can come out at Christmas? Oh, our, our no. Christmas special? No. <laughs> yeah. um, Let's record it tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I'm excited to watch that show again. Love this one. Yeah. Yes. Also, a tremendous DVD cover, if I recall yes, correctly. Very it's good. A, a yeah. comic booky thingy. Yes. Okay. That'll be fun. So now we segue to our favorite segment and only segment, Curious Gorilla. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'll take the questions. Excellent. I am the question master. Question number one. <laughs> so this question comes in from at Will is also young. Will asks, what match would you recommend for someone who is trying to get into Super Dragon? Ooh. So... Barry, would you like to? Oh, I wasn't expecting to go first. Um, <laughs> that's such a specific question. Um, I'm so I'm so picky about finishes. I don't want to pick the Joe one, but I love the Joe. Like the Joe one was great. Um, fuck, I'll just pick that one because I, I think I think the meat of the match. You watch it and you'll go, Ah, yes, so this is what this guy Samoa is. Samoa Joe and Super Dragon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Flan. Does it have to be so far or like uh, any? I'd say any. Any, any, yeah. Yeah, I think the the Gorilla Warfare with Steen. Um, oh, yeah. No five, I think, because I don't want to give, I know like Salty Vet Dragon is great, but I think, you know, that's still him when he could still really go. Um, and that's obviously like iconic, iconic feud between them and relationship. So definitely that one. Okay, nice. Zig? Um... Yeah, I have a smaller catalogue to go off and the matches that really come into my head have someone problematic in them as well. So I'm going to have to cheat a little bit and say the Guerrilla Warfare match with Scorpio Sky. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Now, what about about the master? What do you say? What I say is, if you want to get into Super Dragon, the best way to do it is the three disc DVD (laughs) Super Dragon Destruction, which is actually all on high spots. And that has a fantastic selection of Super Dragon matches. If you if that's 
too much for you. I love the four-way in CZW with Excalibur, uh, Generico, Steen. Also, he has some great matches with B-Boy in CZW. I kind of any CZW stuff that he's done was really good. And that was kind of that cool in between stage of his career. If you, I don't think if you want to get into him and you want to understand why everyone loves him, I think you, you go with that kind of 2003 to 2005 era. Yeah. But I don't think you'd be disappointed with any single super dragon match. So there's a whole world out there for you, Will. And I'm really excited. <laughs> okay the next question comes from number one fan of the podcast snowboy and he asks if you got signed to aew right now which elderly wrestling legend would you want to be your manager um barry's okay to come to you first yes absolutely <laughs> um I, I this is possibly just a recency bias based because it was there this week old man haku Oh man, yeah. Haku. <laughs> coming out in the in the red New Japan trackies and and Tongan death gripping my enemies. I'm like hell yeah, he still got it. <laughs> that will be class, Ziggy. Oh, that is that. That's a tough one now, because um, there's so many good ones now currently in use. I want to try and pick someone who isn't. <sighs> Do you want me to come back to you? Yeah, yeah come back. Okay, to you. Flan, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Um, okay. Just purely because, and I hope I'm not, you know, I don't mean to cause offence by calling him old, but Taz. I want to <laughs> yeah. hang out with Team Taz. I want to hang out with Taz in his car, jamming out to, to songs. <laughs> I want to hang out with Hook. I want to hang out with Ricky Starks. I want to hang yeah. out with Bill Hobbs. They're just, uh, like, they're cool. I don't think I'd, I'd fit in. I think I would... think you make like, now that you explain it. I think yeah, you make think, a good I fit. Would... I don't know. I'm not a fan. I don't know if orange is my color. That's the problem. Um, but I really want to hang out with them. So Team Taz okay. all the way. Okay, Zig, you've had time to think. Yeah, I have. I've had <laughs> 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 um, why don't you have old man CM Punk be in your corner? <laughs> you stop it. You behave yourself. <laughs> Um, I think then I would love Mick Foley. Actually. Okay, yeah, ah, very that good. works. Yeah, I Lovely. think that suits. Okay, I would have, and all uh, like Sarah said, I don't want to offend this man by calling him old because I haven't seen him in a while, but I'm sure he still looks young. Steve Blackman would be my oh, <laughs> manager. Yeah, he, he does pretty much look the same. Yeah. He does, uh, yeah. Recently. Well, in the past couple of years. Yeah. Oh, you could go bounty hunting with him. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think, I think we'd be a great fit. I think we have the same sort of fashion sense. Yeah, I think I think we'd be good. Great one. I'd oh, do a, great lot of, one. a load of vignettes of him teaching me the nunchucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd keep hitting my face. It would be very funny. Great. He'd get frustrated. Great. I'd love that'd, be a, that'd be a great like WrestleMania 2000 main event now. Us four <laughs> with Haku, Taz, Steve Blackman, and Mick Foley. There's like a hardcore title match would break out on the outside. Yeah. Oh my god, it would be incredible. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> okay, next one is from At King Kicks. Ben asks if Sarah is the Hiromu. Takahashi of the group because let's face it she is 
Which LIJ members are Emma, Barry, and Zig? Do not make me Sonata. I'll stop you right there <laughs> in your track. You are Sonata, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> Sonata is me, sir. I am not Sonata. Wow. I mean, like, two years ago, we said Emma's evil. Yeah, but I'm not. No, no. Because I would never turn my back on the boys. Yeah. How are you going to say you'd never say a slur? <laughs> well, look, but <laughs> never say never. All right, I'm looking at my little um, hand fan that has the pictures of all of LIJ on it. I mean, Sarah, um, I feel your best place to, to divvy out the roles here, not to pass the book, but you are the expert. Yeah, Can I just uh, make a case for me? <laughs> is your hand in the air because you want to be that's nice what you're going to say okay so I think I would be Shingo I knew she wanted to be Shingo because oh. now hear me out because I kind of came in late and no one really knows where I came from but when I arrived <laughs> I was there I really made my presence felt you know I've lovely broad shoulders great hair <laughs> yeah and yeah you're champion i'm champion so uh, i'm just gonna make my case you know no one's gonna (laughs) defy you now i know yeah but you see now emma you've actually just wasted time there because i was going to say you You didn't need to make a stress at all oh she did (laughs) i did i needed to say my piece yeah so, who do we have left? Okay, so we have Naito, we have Sanada, and we have Bushi. Now, I don't think <laughs> either of you are a Bushi. Like, Bushi. I honestly, I would have thought Zig would have been a bit of a Bushi. I, think I they, also I think thought they, I would have been a Bushi. Stylish kings, let's be fair. Yeah, you know, I, I have uh, Bushi in my head as well. I, I can picture I've never Zig. seen you wear black lipstick, Zig. But, that, but I think he could, though. He could, I think he, he could. could. I was, I think he I could was be... genuinely, I think I said, did I say it to you yesterday? I was genuinely thinking of painting my nails. <laughs> I was like, black and, white, black and white suit, mask, lipstick, painted nails. I can absolutely then. see All right, you. All right, Zig, you're Bushi then. Fine with that. You know, I think Barry's, you know, in your corner there. So, but then is Barry a Naito or a Sanada? See, now this comes <laughs> to the question, you know what I mean? At the start, I mean, we have called you Sanada quite a lot. Against my will, but yeah. No, but because you are Sanada, I mean, Listen. You love a bur- Barry, you love a burger. I love a burger. I love hanging out with you guys. Uh, so, <laughs> so there's definitely smoke to that fire. I love wearing masks. <laughs> and you're not very tranquilo. I'm not very tranquilo. I love wrestling for 700 minutes. You love spending a shitload of money on t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> More uh, than they're worth. That's debatable. <laughs> oh, the, the case is building. What about, what about the case for Naito? Um, I'm we'll incredibly cool. Um, you wear poorly made suits. I wear... Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, now, that is not true. That is not true. I have not worn an ill-fitting suit since I was, like, 18. Uh, <laughs> uh, you love saying inside baseball. Yeah. Does Naito say love loves baseball. Yeah, the AR baseball. Oh, my ah. God. It's incredible. Barry, you should be going along with this. You want it to be nice, though. No, I do, absolutely. I did not know the baseball thing, but um, 
Yeah, I, I'll defer to Sarah. I'll leave it to her. You know, I'm not going to defy her 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 stance as the Lij expert. Yeah, I just I don't I don't get Naito energy from you, Barry. That's the problem. I just no. really don't. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I, I think if, I, if, 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 if the die has been cast, I will be Sonata. Yeah. So that leaves us with me being Hiromu, Emma is Shingo, Zig is Bushi, and Barry is Sonata. So we're left without a Naito, but we're not we're taking ridiculous. Which I think is fair. Yeah. We're not yeah. taking applications for one either. Like, it's fine. Yeah. No, Super Dragon is Naito. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Evans is. We've been over this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, next question from Benny Owens. If you had to choose a tattoo for another Gorilla Islander to get, what would you choose and what would you make them get? Mm. So, Sarah. See, I want us all to get bro tats. I I mean, it's something that we've talked about for, for quite a long time. So I think, you know, I'm going to be nice and say we should all get the little gorilla on our bodies. Yeah. So for everyone. (laughs) For everyone. Now, if we all had to choose a tattoo for Barry, (laughs) do you think we all have the same idea? How could you possibly? I don't don't know. know. There's so many ideas. Okay. Because I think I would choose for Barry... Diddy Kong. Diddy ah, Kong. Yes. Okay. Very good. Okay. Diddy Kong uh, eating an olive. <laughs> Does anyone oh. care to explain that? No. No. Okay. No, not at all. Leave that with us. Zig, what about you? I would also choose Barry. Yeah. <laughs> this is now turning into the three of you wrestling me into a chair and strapping yeah. me in and drawing references all over me. <laughs> But I would do, you know, CM Punk's Pepsi logo tattoo. Yeah. But a pink monster logo. Oh, oh no. Nice. That's class. I will absolutely get that. There you go. You can have that one. Oh, my goodness. Barry, what about you? Oh, I'm really struggling. This is really hard. Um, let me see. Um, okay, I have an idea. I came up with the tattoo idea first. And I think uh, I'd put it on Zig because he likes getting the arms out the most. I put one of those um, Spotify codes that links to our podcast. <laughs> put it on the back of my neck like Hitman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's like a little walking advertisement. That's good. Joe would actually be a really, really cool tattoo as well. It's Super Dragon's mask. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My my thing my thing about about wrestling uh, uh, um, tattoos though, and this is this has been the case for years, not even just recently. I'm just like. Too risky. Too risky. Too, too risky. They could be a gigantic arsehole. Uh, yeah. and, not just, and not just an arsehole. They could be a monster. So I'm like, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, but that would be class. I mean, it's in, it's in a tremendous design. Um, yeah. See, I have a CM Punk tattoo for the listeners. And thankfully, I already knew he was an arsehole. And I got it. So I got it. Yeah. It could easily. It's actually a black straight edge society mask. So I think if I went to the right artist, I could get that changed to a Bushi mask. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say you could pass it off as just you love Luke Gallows, you know. Oh my god, <laughs> Serena D, baby. Serena D, oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah. I yeah. like the idea of the Bushy mask, though. Yeah, yeah. I I have plans to get a Daryl tattoo, so we we we'd be kind of matching in a way. Lij oh, tattoo. There we go. 
You need a Shingo and Emma, and God love you, Barry, you need a cold skull tattoo. I'd get the mask. The mask is cool enough. I yeah, guess. I could get... Yeah, I could get away with a dragon. True, true. Okay, next question. Rob at Cheese Tom. Which performer on the latest PWG show you covered would you most like to start a small business with? <laughs> Fucking love this question. <laughs> um, Zig. Oh, my God. Um, I think I would most like to start a small business with Disco Machine. I feel like he has a good head on his shoulders. He's, he's a bit older than me. He has mark money to run a promotion, so he must have something there to start a business with. I don't know what we'd get into. Maybe a craft brewing <laughs> thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you want more money than, than, than since, you could partner up with SoCal Val. I hear she's a Scientologist. <laughs> uh, Sarah? I would get into business with American Dragon, Brian Danielson. And what we would do is we'd start um, a clam digging business, teaching people how to start <laughs> clam digging. <laughs> teaching them? Yeah. Because he, well, he will need to teach me first because I don't know. But I'd be very interested because clam digger Danielson is something I've always been very interested in. So this is my chance. Perfect. Barry? I would team up with Jack Evans <laughs> okay. to to start a, uh, a hip hop troupe. Hip hop troupe. That's your yeah. that's your business. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we 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 do birthdays and weddings and and you know bar mitzvahs or whatever else. Perfect. Um, we'd have to recruit some other people, obviously, but we would be the glue, the two of us. Um, him dancing, the unholds, obviously. Um, so. Yeah, that sounds good. You ever? Um, I would start a small business with Super Dragon, and I would start a wrestling promotion. <laughs> would you book women though? No. Okay. <laughs> it's a fifty-fifty business thing. Yeah, he has to keep him happy. Come on. Look, he knows what to do. I'm just gonna follow along. <laughs> Another good one would be to open a zoo with Kevin Steen. Oh, oh very yes, good. very good. Be not much less a, a small business. Would seem <laughs> true, true. A petting zoo. Yeah. He already has six cats. We're on the way. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Next question is from Monkey Buckles. And Monkey Buckles asks, "Do you have any ape or monkey related anecdotes?" I do not. I do. Go Does on. Anyone else? Okay. <laughs> So, in 2005, I went to South Africa uh, with my family, and we went on safari, and we were staying in, like, a hut in the middle of, I guess, the wilderness, and I came back to my hut one day, and I opened the door to the bathroom, and a monkey flew at my face, and, like, started screaming, and I started screaming, I thought for some reason in my head, I thought it was like one of those flying squirrels from, um, I don't know what it was from. I thought it was a flying squirrel. And uh, <laughs> so I ran out and I screamed. And then I, when I told my brother, he didn't really believe me. So I had to go back and check that I wasn't imagining things. And there was just a baby monkey had got trapped in the bathroom. 
and he'd shit everywhere (laughs) because he was so scared and he didn't know how to get back out Um, because he'd kind of come in through the window but it was harder to get back out and his mum was outside yelling at him to like try and get out so I had to call someone uh, to free the monkey and that's my monkey story wow it was like a velveteen monkey I think it was called it was really cute I mean, yeah. there was there was that time I was working in the in the Cincinnati Zoo, and this kid got into the fucking <laughs> thing, and I was like, "You, you stay away! Don't make me get this rifle! You stay away from that kid." Um, and one time, an orangutan pulled my hair. <laughs> that was in Singapore. We weren't allowed to touch the orangutans, but they were allowed to touch us. And he grabbed my hair and he, like yanked my head back. That's not fair. Yeah, I was kind of happy though because I got some contact with him. Yeah. The only time I've ever been around monkeys was in Gibraltar. Oh, they're awful. Yeah, they're they're mad bastards. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't really do anything. They flung stones at the bus. But... <laughs> like playing Ape Escape, the game. It's a good yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. That's all I got. Obviously, Diddy Kong. Of course, oh, yeah. Me and him go that. way back. I can't really get into it right now, but you know. Um, I was pretty impressed that he can not only fly a car, but that it also turns into a ship and it also turns into a plane. So respect him for that. But yeah. Okay. Next question is from at Achu. I sneezed, which is a great name. <laughs> um, this is from Austin. He says best PWG preview video song for me. I yeah. don't know what it's called, but the one that we use for the intro and outro, and that's why I picked it, because that is my favourite one. It's pretty good. The classic. I like the one that goes, duh, 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 that one. Oh, um. It's like Harvest Moon or Harvester. Yes, or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that one. Bring Me the Moon or something it's called, yeah. Or, 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 oh, yeah. Bring <laughs> Me from the Moon. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I do remember... Um, when Emma, unfortunately, you weren't there, but when we went to Tag League in WXW at intermission, they played one of these songs, and I fucking lost it. I was oh, that's like, what cool. is going on? We're watching the PWG hype video. That's my favorite oh, one because it's the most iconic one. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, yeah, and sings it. It's good times. That same band that does Hang Me from the Moon, I think it's the first one they used, the PWG used from them. Well, it's one of the, someone who used to wrestle at PWG is in that band. Is Cotler. Cutler. Cutler, that's it, yeah. Uh, what was the way? It was like 2010, 11, they used it. The Ambassador, I think it's called. Yes. That, that, uh, yeah. that one's great. They're all great. Can, yeah, got, they, they, can I sing it? Yeah. Um, You're a singer. You just said. You and- uh, no, no, I said I, I said I was on vocals. I'm a rapper, Sarah. Okay. I can't, uh, how does it go? Uh, I can't remember any of the words. I can just remember the rhythm. Fine. Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah. I wanted you to sing it because I actually couldn't remember it. <laughs> I, th- like, th- those songs are so burned into my head because when those trailers would come out, I would just watch them on a loop like 10 years ago because they were just incredible. This um, isn't necessarily a trailer, but I remember um, when tiger driver 98 used to do like his own videos he did a really cool rock your marrow hype video and it was set to suavemente and it's always stuck in my head since then because i just thought that was a perfect fit for rocky so yeah shout out tiger driver 98 best videos and our last question comes from swindog 
And Sweendog asks, what wrestler today could get away with John Cena jorts who doesn't wear denim already? I think that Eddie Kingston could pull them off. Yeah. In a sort of b-boy style outfit yeah i can see it he'd probably look damn cool as well yeah barry jean shorts yeah (laughs) (laughs) john moxley he already wears denim so does eddie kingston no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I, 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 uh, I fight. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Moxley wears denim to the ring, so you can't. Okay. Um. <laughs> maybe in an ironic way, but the young bucks could wear denim yeah. shorts like a pair of dickheads. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they are doing the full time. I dress like a dickhead thing anyway. So. And they probably yeah. do the Shawn Michaels cut to the like Daisy Dukes, essentially. Oh yes. yeah. yeah. They yeah. Sarah? Yeah, this is a hard one. I mean, I was, Hiromu was a cop-out because he did when he first came back. He wore denim and it looked cool. Just because I'm looking at him right in front of me here, uh, Daisuke Sasaki in DDT, because I actually think it would really fit his character. He looked pretty cool. So he's my answer. Okay. I don't really know for some reason in my head, just keeps saying the Bella Twins. And I don't know why. Jesus. Both of them. Both of them. I can see maybe Nikki. Um, maybe The Miz. Oh, wow. Yeah, he used to wear sort of jean short things Did at he? the start. Yeah. Because yeah. he just has terrible style. Yeah, it was real. Like It was the oh, real the- world Miz. Yeah, like, would, like bedazzled buttons. Yeah. He definitely bedazzled yeah. the beans. Brock would be fun. Brock would be a good one. If he just came <laughs> back. Yeah. Yeah, and went full jorts and kind of like dad at a barbecue, sort of. Yes, definitely. I think that would be cool. And he'd always he'd keep things in his little pockets. Just gum shield. Meat. Yeah, meat. Um, a cleaver. Yeah, so that's it for questions. Another great round, I think. A great, a great spread. Thank Love you, that. as always, everyone. Thanks, guys. So that about wraps it up for us now. We'll see you next month for Uncanny Xmas. Um, if you want to send us any questions, it's at Grill Island on Twitter. GrillIsland at gmail.com is our email. And yeah, you can get us on our personal accounts. I'm at Zig on the Rocks. Sarah is... At Sarah Flan. Barry is at the Barry Led. And Emma is at oh underscore Emma G. So we will catch you next time. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.